past the town of tribulation and straight on to Daring Do, chapter 5. Is that the time? Grandma looked at her watch. It's past two o'clock and we've still got lots to do before we can go home, so shake a leg. I didn't ask. If we could have swum backwards and forwards to and from the car park, the task of unloading everything and bringing it to the boat would have been an easy one. But our route over land took us along the overgrown path at the side of the Fiona, up a flight of stone steps with a rickety handrail, along the cinder track between the inner basin and the Severn, across the top of the lock gate and through a gate to the car park. After our second journey from car to boat, laden with cushions and curtains, Grandma declared herself to be fair-tuckered, and although I didn't ask, I think I understood what she meant. We finished putting the small bench cushions in place in the saloon, hung the curtains at the narrow windows, and were about to set off again when we heard a strange noise on the pathway. We both stood still and listened as it got closer and closer. I thought that it sounded like someone blowing a toy trumpet in a rhythmic, monotonous way. Sounds like broken bellows, and that can only be... And popping her head through the companionway hatch, called out, Billy-o! Heave to and prepare to be boarded, came the reply, followed by a long wheeze. How are you, you salty old sea dog, asked Grandma, as an elderly man with white whiskers and a Breton cap climbed aboard and hugged her. Oh dear, I thought, he must have caught strange sayings from Grandma, or perhaps she caught them from him. I knew that I would need to concentrate really hard if I had any chance of understanding a word that either of them was saying. I'm afraid to say I'm bilged on my anchor. I dare say I'll be crossing the bar before long, he said with a tinge of sadness in his voice. Grandma later explained that Billio had been a great sailor in his youth, fit, strong and fearless, but he had developed a lung disease that could not be cured. He didn't like to admit that he was ill, so he used nautical terms to avoid having to talk about it. Noticing me, he gave one loud wheeze and said cheerily, Is this your galley slave? Grandma laughed and made the introductions. Meg, this is Captain William O'Donnell, better known as Billio. Billio, this is my granddaughter, Megan. He removed his cap and bent low to kiss my hand, adding, Any granddaughter of the late Captain Gates, God rest his soul, is a granddaughter of mine. He winked, and I was unsure how to reply, so I just smiled and thanked him. Now, he said, I've not left my watch and dragged my old carcass across here for nothing. I later found out that his watch involved sitting in a battered old deck chair from morning to late evening, looking out down the river to the Bristol Channel and beyond. That car of yours is loaded to the gunnels, he continued, and you'll be here till midnight if you mean to carry everything along the path, unless you don't collapse first. Don't think you're going to help us, warned Grandma. Ah, he replied, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Turning to me, he said, Granddaughter, do you know how to cast off? Aye, aye, Captain, I replied, and he gave a deep chuckle which set off a fit of wheezing and coughing. 
The engine hasn't been started for months and... Grandma started to look for excuses, but he silenced her protests with, "'None of your blathering!' and then gave a command, as if he was the captain of a great sailing vessel. "'Fire her up!' She knew that it was pointless to argue, so Grandma removed the engine cover and turned a small knob to open the seacocks, and after she'd replaced it, flicked the power switch. She was reassured by the appearance of a row of lights on the control panel. Pressing the starter button resulted in a few whirs and wheezes that reminded me of Billio, until suddenly the engine roared into life. Perhaps roared is an exaggeration, as it sounded more like a cross between a lawnmower and an old tractor, but at least it was running. I don't think you ought to, Grandma started to say, concerned that the old man would not manage to negotiate even the short journey from Birth to Pontoon. I'm not going to, he said. You are. It was well understood by anyone who knew her that Grandma did not like taking the helm. When she and Grandad had sailed, he had always taken the tiller and she had been the navigator. She had been in charge of plotting their course on the charts, keeping an eye out for hazards and watching the depth gauge. Before she could make any further protests, Billio had started to give his instructions. On his signal, I was to slip the lines and jump back on board. Grandma was to check the fenders and then take the tiller, and he was to sit in the cockpit and give advice. His advice seemed to consist of calling out, Forward, astern, port and starboard. And as we manoeuvred out of the berth and into the main basin, these commands came thick and fast. With care rather than skill, Grandma managed to steer a course towards the pontoon, and as we approached, a new set of commands were issued. Some of these were aimed at me, and involved making the lines ready to tie up when we arrived. Billio showed me how to hold the lines so that I would be able to jump off and make us fast, as he called it, as quickly as possible. Luckily, when we arrived at the pontoon, it was empty of other boats, and so our mooring was easy. I could see that Grandma was relieved to have arrived safely, but she was also proud that she had achieved a first, as she called it later. "'My home port, I think,' said Billio. "'You're welcome to come and visit me on my watch, young granddaughter.' With another cough and a very loud wheeze, he stepped onto the pontoon and made his way slowly and stiffly back to his old deck chair. We listened to his progress, which was marked with more rasps and wheezes and several pauses, until a look of panic suddenly came across Grandma's face and she called after him, "'How do we get the Fiona back to her berth?' "'Well,' he said slowly, you could always get that cat of yours to tow you over. This was followed by a fit of laughter that sounded more like a whistling kettle. Then, with a cackle and a hiss, he added, You're more than capable of doing it. Grandma shouted, Marooned by my own captain! This was met by more coughing and wheezing, and then finally, with a deep breath, he called out, Fair winds and following seas! I didn't ask, but I was beginning to realise that I would never understand what they were talking about unless I did ask. So I decided to start questioning their strange saying. 
Bilio had been right when he had suggested loading the boat from the pontoon, as the car was a short distance away and there were only two small steps to carry things down. In next to no time, we had put all the remaining cushions in place and the galley had been equipped with a wide-bottomed whistling kettle, frying pan and an assortment of knives, forks, spoons and a large ladle for serving Grandma's speciality, ship's stew. Charts were placed neatly in their drawer and books with titles like Know Your Knots, Reading the Clouds and Safe Harbours of the South were lined up on the shelf next to the control panel. She stood and looked at the cabin and smiled a satisfied smile. I waited for her to say ship shape and Bristol fashion so that I could ask exactly what it meant, but she did not. Instead, she went up into the cockpit. I think it might have been an attempt to delay having to take the Fiona back across the basin on her own, but she decided that the red ensign and a set of special pennants were missing and set about searching for them in the sail locker. If she doesn't say anything strange, how can I ask her what it means, I thought. And then I had an idea. A few weeks before, I had heard her talking to Aunt Hattie, and she'd said something very odd, even for her. Grandma, I said. An indistinct, yes, dear, came from the sail locker. Where is the Town of Tribulation? Town of Tribulation, the muffled voice questioned. There's no such place. But I heard you and Aunt Hattie talking about it a few weeks ago and I wondered where it is. She continued to explore the depths of the locker in her search for the missing flags but said again, There's no such place. You must have been mistaken. I was determined to learn the meaning of at least one strange saying, so I pressed the point with, You said to Aunt Hattie that you had passed the town of tribulation. I know, I heard you say it. There was a moment's silence. At first I thought that she was angry with me. Then from the locker a small sound was heard. It started as a stifled snigger. Then it grew until it had finally erupted into a great belly laugh and Grandma abandoned her search and leapt up, cutting through the air with the flagpole as if it was a pirate's cutlass. Past the town of tribulation and straight on to daring do, she shouted, as I looked on in amazement. She laughed so much that tears streamed down her cheeks, until finally she sat down heavily on the cockpit seat and explained. What I actually said was that I had passed through many trials and tribulations, not the town of tribulation. It means that I'd had a lot of problems, but they were over at last. I smiled and nodded. I'm sorry, I must have misheard. But feeling that my understanding of strange sayings still needed to improve, I added, And by the way, where is Daring Do? My question seemed to start another fit of laughing and another waving of the cutlass. But finally she admitted, Do you know, I haven't got a clue, but it sounds like the sort of place where you can go to have adventures. We both laughed, and then, just as Bilio had done, she started to give her instructions. Make ready to slip the line, she said. Nobody ever had an adventure while they were tied to a pontoon. 
I was proud of the way she took the small boat back across the basin and how we worked together to make sure that the Fiona was moored securely when we reached the other side. I looked across to the morning star in the hope that boat boy Bob had seen how successfully we had managed the boat. But his father's yacht was closed up and the fact that the tender was back near the pontoon told us that he had obviously gone home. Grandma closed the cabins and was about to turn the key in the padlock when she remembered something. Going down into the saloon again, she opened her bag and produced a framed photograph neatly wrapped in newspaper. After unpeeling the layers, she took a tissue out of her pocket and breathed on the glass, giving it a polish before hanging it on a hook next to the barometer. It was a photograph of Grandad at the tiller. A small brass label had been screwed onto the bottom edge of the frame and in an old-fashioned script, the words on it said, Captain Andrew Gates of the good ship Fiona. Grandma smiled and gave it a final polish before closing the cabin again. Thank you.